The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let assembly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 89, verses 1 through 19, beginning on page 451. Sorry, 450. My song shall be alway of the loving kindness of the Lord. With my mouth will I ever be showing thy truth from one generation to another. For I have said, Mercy shall be set up forever. Thy truth shall be shall establish in the heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever, and set up thy throne from one generation to another. O Lord, the very heavens shall praise thy wondrous works, and thy truth in the congregation of the saints. For who is he among the clouds that shall be compared unto the Lord? And what is he among the gods that shall be like unto the Lord? God is very greatly to be feared in the counsel of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all of them that are round about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is like unto thee? Thy truth, most mighty Lord, is on every side. Thou rulest the raging of the sea, thou stillest the waves thereof when they rise. Thou hast subdued Egypt and destroyed it. Thou hast scattered thine enemies abroad with thy mighty arm. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. Thou hast laid the foundation of the round world, and all that it, that therein is. Thou hast made the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. 
Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Righteousness and equity are the habitation of thy seat. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people, O Lord, that can rejoice in thee. They shall walk in the light of thy countenance. Their delight shall be daily in thy name, and in thy righteousness shall they make their boast. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy loving kindness thou shalt lift up our horns. For the Lord is our defense, the Holy One of Israel is our King. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for the thousand of his lords, and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God which had been in Jerusalem. The king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the Soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a gold chain around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath hope in his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 10th verse of the 24th chapter of the book of Acts. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. 
nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out, standing among them, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee and do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Lord of all power and might, who art the author and giver of all good things. Graft in our hearts the love of thy name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness. And of thy great mercy keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Evening to all. Both thoughts about our lessons for tonight. Begin in Psalm 89, which is a psalm um, that primarily focuses on the promise of God um, to David and to his kingship. We're seeing the emergence of this story um, as it unfolds in 1 Samuel in morning prayer right now. We'll see it kind of come um, to a point as we crest into 2 Samuel here in a couple of weeks. Um, but there's this promise made to David that in the, a that God would continue to uphold and sustain his family line and a kingly line from his um, from his um, his family um, forever, and that um, they would persist with prosperity on the throne um, so long as they kept to the commandments of God and they kept to covenant faithfulness. They they, were, they and so there was a bit of a condition um, on how they would experience the the kept promises of God depending on how they in turn you know sort of upheld the you know the standards of faithfulness that were prescribed in the covenant um this this helps us to give helps to give us a backdrop for the perplexity of the um the, the situation that daniel is in um as well as the rest of the exiles from judea um after the sack of jerusalem and the and the destruction of the temple and the um and the you know the apparent exile and and ending of the davidic line um, one of the kind of you know wisdom questions that could be asked at the time was how can God keep his promise to a kingly line that no longer exists? Um, and in the midst of the chaos of the siege of Jerusalem and the you know the, the killing off of the the sort of the, the taking captive of one of the heirs of David and the you know the blinding and the later the, the killing of of one of the other ones and then the destruction of his children it, it, it left left people in general with the impression that the line had been cut off, that there would not be the return of a Davidic king, that there is no future descendants. And so how can there possibly be this kept promise? How can God, you know, truly keep his promise? Um, and so it led one to wonder if God had not forsaken his covenant. Um, and that was, and so faithfulness was um, sort of a, a resolution to sit in the perplexity of how can it be the case that God will keep his promise um, when it does not, when it does not currently seem possible for God to keep His promise, um, this echoes, of course, the the kind of broader thematic um, emphasis of this week. Um, if we go back to Bishop Scarlett's sermon on Sunday, um, where he speaks of Jesus um, asking a question, um, you know, asking a question to test the faithfulness of his disciples in the middle of the wilderness, um, asking them to respond to a crisis that he himself created leading the people out for three days into the wilderness um, with, without anything to eat. And then, you know, asking his disciples the question, oh, well, what are we going to do about this? You know, and, um, you know, and, and they're like, well, what can be what can be done about this? And, you know, we have to remember in the backdrop of all this that there is, you know, Jesus himself knows what he's going to do. But at the same time, asks this question to draw out, um, you know, the, the kind of the way that his disciples are coming at the question. Right. What it, you know, they're they're looking at the limitations of the environment and its inability to produce food, um, rather than looking to him in their midst. And so, one of the things that you know, focuses us on the um, kind of the the presence of Daniel and his friends in Babylon um, in these early chapters of the book of Daniel is that you have um, this enduring presence of God among His people, 
um, in and through their faithfulness to you know remain uh, to to remain loyal to him um, as he remains loyal to his people and as we will later you know well as we'll later read in the books of um, as of, uh, of Ezekiel right yeah, you see that God has actually gone out into exile with his people he is there in captivity with them. Um, but, you know, the, the outward circumstances don't always reflect that. In fact, they tempt us to think that, you know, no, God is not keeping his promise. God maybe cannot keep his promise. Maybe something has, has finally, you know, sort of gotten one over on him. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, what it means to be a faithful Christian means it, it sort of is revealed by how we, how we are, how we confront that question and sit in the, sometimes the perplexity of it and what we choose to do. Um, even while we are perplexed as to how God may be keeping his promises to us. As we, you know, focus in on this episode of Belshazzar's Feast, um, it's a helpful reminder, I think, to us that, you know, as as we read Psalm 89, you know, at the outset of tonight, we, we read this, you know, well, you know, you, you with a mighty arm, uh, you know, order all of heaven and earth, you uh, quelled the, and crushed the might of Egypt, and you calmed the raging of the sea. And we act we sort of read that as like this is one verse of Psalm 89, but we'll remember that the quelling of Egypt, right? The the you know was a 400-year project that that played out in history and then came to a calamitous conclusion with the plagues and the Exodus narrative. Um, but this was the whole kind of you know sequence of deliverance was centuries um, of captivity that then culminated in this decisive moment after which. They could look back and say, and that was the last time we were in captivity to the Egyptians, whereas for centuries prior to it, they could not say that. They, had, they were left in that, how long, O oh Lord, until you deliver us? And so when we get to the, the matter of Belshazzar's feast, we see him committing this, you know, this blasphemy um, of, of taking the holy objects um, that, you know, that belong to the service of God and the liturgy of prayer of the people. And trying to, you know, sort of bring them in, not even in the sense of like what the Philistines would do back in the day of trying to use it as a kind of magical talisman. Uh, but in this case, he's just using it as a common drinking and eating vessel and, and sort of, um, you know, adding to the sacrilege by not even sort of honoring the, the, the sort of the, the supernatural quality of it um, or dimension to it. He's just treating these things as purely common. And may even be, you know, bringing these in as a kind of way of, vain, of as a form of vainglory of propping himself up um, by putting down these, you know, objects that are precious to the um, to these enemies that have been quelled by his ancestor. And so, in doing so, um, we, we 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 see set up here the beginning of the end um, of this last episode of the Babylonian Empire, and we had. A lot of these chapters dedicated to Nebuchadnezzar and his story arc thus far. When we get to Belshazzar, Belshazzar is not getting any of the sort of like opportunities to recognize the, the God of Daniel and of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. It, you know, he has not learned from history. And so when he commits sacrilege and he, you know, and he commits himself to vanity, he's going to be summarily destroyed in one evening. Um, and the empire of Babylon will fall with him. So the great sort of captors of the Jewish people out of Judea and the, and the great sackers of Jerusalem are going to be defeated by the hand of God um, overnight and replaced um, and and, you know, and and history will move on. Um, and so what we're seeing here is something we alluded to in the opening chapter of Daniel, where, you know, it, it refers in one kind of what could be read as a throwaway verse, but it's very important. Uh, Daniel remained until the until you know the, the you know, until the release of the Persian the Persian king until he really reigned until um, Cyrus the king 
Um, and so you, you he was he was present in Babylon all through this, which indicates to us that these faithful ones of God who are committed to steadfast loyalty to God in the midst of captivity, regardless of the perplexity this may cause, um, and over the course of decades, um, of which we're seeing one episode here in this reading tonight, um, that is the shape of faithfulness. That's the shape of what it means to be God's people is that um, we sometimes go through long periods of perplexity, but then um, when the answer does come, when the deliverance comes, when the provision comes, it does so in such an indelible way that we can only look back and say, we can barely like, well, well, you know, like we can only look back and say like, that was the last time we were in captivity. That was the last time this king had any sway over us. This empire had any, you know, means to vaunt itself. And that's repeated, of course, in the, you know, as we look, as we look in our Acts lesson tonight, where we see Paul, who is a servant of King Jesus, the ascended Lord, who he knows to be the anointed one of God, the true Christ, the descendant of David, to whom the blessings that God had promised that we read about in Psalm 89 have come and been bestowed and whose kingship has no end. So Paul is, is situated here in the middle of a the trappings of imperial power in this great palace at Caesarea, in the great Roman sort of prolocutor's palace, um, and being brought there by the whole weight of the and the influence culturally of the Sanhedrin. So he has, you know, all of this sort of political power around him that is, you know, hell bent on trying to get him, you know, to trying to convict him. But Paul has in the back of his mind that this is no different than what they did to Jesus. And after the passion of Jesus, um, what is revealed is kind of an irony behind all of this. It undermines the the seriousness of it in a way. Um, it doesn't mean that there can't be actual, you know, wrongdoing and actual evil perpetrated by these people, but it undermines the sense of their gravity as those who can wield power. Because ultimately, you know, Rome is going to throw itself up against the kingdom of Jesus and the the remainder the remaining powers of Judea are going to throw themselves up against the kingdom of King Jesus, and both of them are going to be dashed to pieces by it. So as Christians, you know, we're we're in the middle of a world that continually throws itself up against the kingdom of King Jesus. And what are we to do? Are we going to are we going to sort of compromise with its power, trying to appease it, trying to um, play its play its own game against itself in a better way? Uh, you know, we, we have the record of the scriptures to show us what the end of that is. But what we also have is the image of Paul, who stands calmly and who speaks the truth and who testifies to King Jesus and then entrusts himself to the vindication of God. And those who do, like Daniel in Babylon, like the psalmist in 89, when the crisis comes, when the calamity comes, that is the thing that allows us to continue to stand. So a couple thoughts for tonight. Concluding with our intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. 
be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining in tonight. It's good to pray with you. And thanks to Barbara and to Aliyah, my co-leaders tonight. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Good night. Have a good night.